Attention Patriots, this is the Chris Ann Hall Show. Who's going to stand up? Where are the lovers of liberty? I think that's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's unconstitutional. It's out of control. You think this is over? This isn't over. There's a liberty wave coming. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com. And we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Welcome back to our second day of the, uh, our second show (laughs) of the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal Weekend Edition. Whether you're hearing this on Saturday, whether you're hearing this on Sunday, we are so grateful that you are dedicated to liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. We are continuing our study today in the solutions, the solutions to getting the federal government back under control. There are solutions, and um, it's not voting. Voting is not how we control the government. Voting is what we do when we are citizens of a constitutional republic. What we do every other day is how we control government. And so that's what we're doing now. We're learning, relearning, reinforcing the solutions to the out-of-control federal government problem as placed into our hands by those who wrote and ratified the Constitution. We are going through my book, Sovereign Duty. Uh, Backwards. There we go. (laughs) Backwards, if you're watching me on YouTube right now, you see the cover of Sovereign Duty. You can get Sovereign Duty at chrisannhall.com. If you don't want to buy it there, you can get it on Amazon. If you don't want to buy it on Amazon, you can get it on Books A Million. If you don't want to buy it on Books A Million, you can get it at Walmart. There are plenty of places that you can get Sovereign Duty. And this is the book that outlines for you the solutions that our founders put in place. Now, let me give you an analogy because I start off with an analogy called over the cliff, okay? So just to to lay the premise, so we start thinking about things from the proper perspective, not about which Messiah is going to come and change all of this for us. What is the magic pill? What is the the incantation that we need? What is the the oath that's going to fix everything? You know, words are not going to fix this. It is only action fueled by education. You know, practice does not make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. If practice made perfect, we would have a perfect government, right? Because they're practicing a lot of things and the people go to the polls and they practice a lot of things. We're not here to practice, to practice, to practice. We're here to practice perfect things. What are the right solutions? What should we we, we be working for? 
Now, I realize this is not some glamorous episode of the Chris Ann Hall show where we're interviewing Rand Paul or Ron Paul, where we're, we're uh, casting stones at some liberal Democrat, criticizing, uh, you know, some, some socialist Democrat or, or throwing darts at some communist in the Republican Party. I realize that's the tribalistic things get our juices going. But every once in a while, we got to slow down. We got to realize what we're fighting for and how we're supposed to be doing it. Because to be honest with you, I think that a good portion of America suffers from Stockholm Syndrome, fallen in love with our captors. That's the only way I can describe the phenomenon of tribalism that I see in America today. The love that we have for politicians who are quickly and slowly grinding us into tyranny and oppression and poverty and and just simply totalitarianism. There's, There's no difference in the parties when it comes to power. And I think that we have to sometimes, we've got to back up. We've got to get recharged. We've got to get refocused. We've got to get our, our, our azimuth pointed in the right direction. Azimuth. That's what you do with a compass when you want to go the right way. You set your azimuth and you go the right way. We, we, we're hunting party solutions. We're not going the right way. We need to be hunting liberty solutions. So let me give you this analogy, Right? A man and a uh, and his wife are are touring some some beautiful the, the beautiful mountains of some exotic uh, location, right? And they're they're tucked cozy in their uh, reinforced recreational vehicle. And the wife, she's just busy snapping pictures, and everybody's like, ooh ah, ooh ah. And and the crazy thing is, inexplicably, in spite spite of these big signs that say road closed do not enter the man veers onto a bumpy overgrown road and floors it right so they're in their rv they're looking around the road says road closed do not enter he's like oh let's go that way and though his wife yells what are you doing You just bursted through that barricade. The road says, the sign says road closed. You had to barrel through a barricade. What are you doing? And the husband looks at her and says, don't worry, dear. You can trust me. Now comes a sign. 1,000 foot drop ahead. Warning, warning. Road ends. 1,000 foot drop ahead. And the wife is freaking out. She's Harry, what are you doing? Stop the car. Stop the car. Stop the car. We're going to barrel over this edge. We're going to die. He says, nah, don't worry about it. Trust me. See, all we need is a little bit more gas. Do you sometimes feel like that's how the federal government works? No, 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 no. Trust us. I know we've barreled through the barricades of the Constitution. We're no longer limited and defined, but you don't worry about it. Everything will be fine. We just need more revenue. 
We just need to be re-elected. We just need more power. We just need more time. We just need more gas. Meanwhile, meanwhile, our broken federal system, broken at every level, because we've allowed those in power to burst through the barricades, the warnings that were put in place saying, no, 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 limited, let me get my fingers up here, limited and defined. James Madison says the powers delegated by the proposed constitution to the federal government are few and defined. He said they are to be exercised principally on external objects, foreign affairs. And then he names them. War, peace, negotiation, foreign commerce. He says the latter to which primarily taxation will be linked. The primary source, I just, oh my goodness, I want to say this. The primary source of funding for the federal government is not supposed to come from your pocket. It's supposed to come from foreign commerce. But our federal government system is broken because we've allowed them to barrel through the barricades, the, the, the warnings of our constitutional founders ignored. Congressional failing. With the self-restraint of a town drunk on a three-day binge, Congress spends and spends and borrows and spends some more and ignores the restraints of the framers enshrined in our founding documents. Consider James Madison's characterization of one of the fundamental powers of the House of Representatives. He says, and I'm reading now from Sovereign Duty, he says, the House of Representatives can not only refuse, but they alone can propose the supplies requisite for the support of the government. This power of the purse may, in fact, be regarded as the most complete and effectual weapon with which any constitution can arm the immediate representatives of the people for obtaining a redress of every grievance and for carrying into effect every just and salutary measure. Would the founders even recognize Congress in 2019? Madison was referring to Article 1, Section 7, Clause 1 of the Constitution as it means uh, as a means of keeping an out-of-control government from going over the cliff. Madison says all bills for, uh, or I'm sorry, the Constitution reads, all bills for raising revenue shall originate in the House of Representatives, but the Senate may, may, propose or concur with amendments as on other bills. The House is the sole authority to fund or defund every federal program. The defunding of unconstitutional federal programs, as Madison stated, is a vital part of governmental checks and balances. If there had been an RV in Madison's day, he would have understood that it would be much harder to drive that beast over a cliff if it had no gas in the tank. There's a ser- there are serious consequences if we refuse these checks and allow unconstitutional federal programs to continue. And what does Congress do instead? At best, nothing at all. When we have people who want to shut down these programs, when we have people who want to pull back on the funding, when we have people who profess the desire to be good stewards of the people's money, 
They are chastised. They are criticized. They are attacked by both parties. Because socialism has crept into America's government. And it's not bound by one party or the other. At worst... Our Congress will pile more tyrannical spending on and expand unconstitutional federal power. The Affordable Care Act is just an example. Now we have Medicaid for all, and we have uh, the president saying that the the Republican Party is going to be the party of health care. This is not the job of the federal government. And these unconstitutional acts actually will be the constraint of every liberty that we are supposed to be enjoying through the protection of the government, not through their regulation. Liberty's lobbyist Chris Ann Hall has now taken control. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here for our special weekend edition of the Daily Journal. We're going through my book, Sovereign Duty, uh, something that you will be able to share in the future for all of those who post on your page, stop complaining, give me solutions, nobody ever gives solutions, then you can say, well, by the way, Chris Ann Hall has given you solutions. She has given you the solutions that the founders wanted us to exercise in order to secure our constitutional republic. The explanation of the uh, Constitution, the way it was written, not the way it's applied, but the way it was written to secure the liberty of the people to maintain a few and defined powers of the federal government. And we've been talking about this analogy. We got a man and his wife, and they're barreling towards a cliff. There's a thousand-foot drop, and the man says to the lady who's freaking out, his wife's freaking out, Harry, Harry, stop the vehicle, stop the vehicle. We're going to crash. He says, no, 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 don't worry, honey. We'll be just fine. I, it, it doesn't matter. We just need more gas. More gas will fix it all. That's how our Congress works. That's how our federal government works. No, 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 no. Unlimited, undefined, no, 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 no. Out of control, bloated, trillions of hundreds of trillions of dollars in debt. No, 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 don't worry about it. You just, we just need more revenue. We just need more power. We just need more gas, right? So what we need to understand, as a result of this unchecked power, we are hovering on the brink of insolvency. A government dependency is at an all-time high. Come on now, how many people do you know that think they cannot live 30 minutes without the federal government? Government dependency in America is at an all-time high, and it's growing. The proof of that is the complete and total freakout every time there's a threat of a government shutdown. Which, by the way, is why they threaten a government shutdown. To send America into a panic, which proves their dependency. See, I think that the government throws these little crises at us, those, those in power throw these little crises at us, not just simply to, to 
you know, create some kind of behavioral response in us, but also to reassure themselves. Yep, yep, no, no, no. There's some people that are resisting, but look out there, look out there. Then we still have many of them on the leash. Don't worry. This is our reinforcement that the American people are still tethered to the dependency of the federal government. We'll just cast out that crisis real quick. Just so we can get a survey, see, you know, get, get the temperature of the American people. Oh, no, no, no. There are people who are waking up. There are people who are getting involved. There are people who are pushing back. But look, but look, they're not many yet. They're not many yet. What they don't know is what our founders knew. Thomas Paine said, it's not in numbers that we gather our strength, but in unity. It is the unity in liberty that we gather our power. Why do you think that they're always trying to divide and conquer us through skin color and socioeconomic divisions and political divisions and personality divisions? Because they know what Paine said was right. They cannot have us unified because it's just a small number that's necessary if we are unified. So they keep up all these crises. And our dependency now is at an all-time high. It is growing with each new federal program that is completely and totally unconstitutional. With each new federal program, we sink deeper and deeper into the sleep of servitude. That's why we have this show. The show is like a, a wake-up call, a warning alarm to help you get educated and help us share the alarm and wake up other people. We need to wake up America. We need the liberty wave to overcome America like a tsunami. And we have the power. I can't reiterate this more. We have the power. We just need to activate it. Knowledge is not power until it's activated. Our, our founders gave us the solutions. We, are, we may be living in this quote-unquote new America with huge congressional failures, but it's unnecessary. These are unnecessary failures of Congress. Let me teach you why they're unnecessary. Oops, I see we're coming up on a break. We were warned about, we are being warned about the thousand foot drop. Our founders gave us this warning, but they gave us a safety net. And when we come back after the break, I'm going to show you in the Constitution why these congressional bloating is completely unnecessary. Can't learn the easy way, you'll learn the hard way. Chris Ann Hall, she's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. I am Chris Ann Hall, and if you're watching us on YouTube right now, you're seeing our ad for Liberty First University. I want you to know that you can get this kind of training every single day at Liberty First University. Every single day at Liberty First University, I teach you like this. Not like some law professor lauding over you with some kind of 
of, uh, you know, un untouchable wisdom because I'm so much smarter than you, but because our founders made it simple and they wanted us to know how simple it was. That's what we're here for. That's what Liberty First University, to break it down. If I hear one thing from, from our students and from the people that we teach more than anything else, I hear that Chris Ann makes it so simple. Actually, I had a physician just the other day we were teaching in Northern California. I, I had an oncologist tell me, Chris Ann, I have never heard anyone tell me this as simply as you've made it. You have made this so simple. There's no excuse for us not to learn and not to act. And I'm very excited about that. Now, I promised you to show you why this constitutionally out of control Congress, these congressional failures are completely and totally unnecessary because the Constitution has prevented this, has given us the remedy, not just prevented it, but has given us the remedy so that we can prevent it ourselves. Now, listen to what Alexander Hamilton says. He says, there is no position which depends on clearer principles than that every act of a delegated authority contrary to the tenor of the commission under which it is exercised is void. The contrary to the tenor of the commission under which it is exercised is void. Alexander Hamilton is telling us right there that the most important fundamental principle in applying the Constitution is not just what it says, but what we meant it to mean. The meaning of the Constitution is supplied by those who wrote and ratified it. They say this over and over again. And then he repeats, as if we need to make it simpler, he says, Therefore, he says, no legislative act, therefore, contrary to the Constitution, can be valid. Why are these unconstitutional acts by Congress unnecessary? Why are these constitutional failures, let me put it this way, why are these constitutional failures unnecessary? Because they're not, they're not valid. Congress doesn't have the authority to pass whatever law they can muster with, with a majority vote. I know if you live in Michigan, your congressman, Tim Wahlberg, thinks that's the truth. But Tim Wahlberg, excuse me, is a constitutional ignoramus. And you can pass that quote on to him. He is a constitutional ignoramus. That means he is completely an utterly devoid of understanding and education on the Constitution. I didn't say he was stupid. I said he was ignorant of the highest degree <laughs> of elephantine proportions. I love that word. Tim Wahlberg is ignorant of the Constitution and his ignorance is of elephantine proportions. <laughs> But listen to me, these failures are not necessary because we have the remedy because when Congress exercises a power that is not authorized by the Constitution, it is null and void. I, I didn't say that. Alexander Hamilton said that. James Wilson said that. 
James Madison said that. George Mason said that. Now, our founders were very, very articulate, not by only telling us what they meant, but then also illustrating what would happen if we ignored their warnings, right? I don't care what Hamilton did after the Constitution was ratified. I don't care that John Adams lost his sanity and became a tyrant after the Constitution was ratified. What they said is truth about the Constitution. How they changed their position afterwards is irrelevant to the intended meaning as it was ratified because Hamilton was not the only one that ratified the Constitution. But those who ratified the Constitution accepted what Hamilton was saying to be true about the Constitution. They accepted what Madison said to be true in Federalist 45 about the Constitution. That's why Madison said, more relevant yet, those who ratified the Constitution stated that this is a limited and defined federal government tied by the specific enumerations of power. Now, Hamilton is giving us the warnings that if we ignore this this separation of power, this, this limitation of power, he says, to deny this, right? No legislative act, therefore, contrary to the Constitution, can be valid, he says, to deny this, to establish that unconstitutional acts by Congress are constitutional, right? To, to, to just let them go about doing their business. He says, to deny this would be to affirm that the deputy is greater than his principal, that the servant is above his master, that the representatives of the people are superior to the people themselves, that men acting by virtue of powers may do not only what their powers do not authorize, but what they have forbid. If we're going to let Congress continue to operate Tim Wahlberg style, then we must, with, without consequence, without check, without accountability, then guess what? We must accept the inevitable consequences, the inevitable consequences that we live in an unlimited, undefined federal government which is not a constitutional republic, but is a tyrannical one, a totalitarian kingdom. A totalitarian... We were not given a totalitarian kingdom. We were given a constitutional republic, and the constitution is very clear, and it is, con and, and it is very concise about the limitation of powers. That's why there is the principle of separation of powers. I think that it's very clear also the limited nature of the presidential power, but I understand that those who, who consider themselves conservatives and who consider themselves Republicans who, who, who like this president may seem a little bit hesitant to limit presidential power now, but can I remind you that we will have a president one day, and if the way things look we may have a socialist that's a president today, so the, the, so the power you want this president to exercise will be the power the next socialist exercises with a vengeance, and then you can't say anything because you were like, no, I, Donald Trump, pfft, hum, whatever, meh, just let him do it, right? It takes too much time to follow the Constitution, it takes too much effort to follow the Constitution if Congress won't... Whatever. Why not let the president do it? Because when you let the president do it, 
you'll have a king and not a president. The president is uh, limited and defined by Article 2. We don't have to have a king. We don't have to run over the cliff. And we don't have to have presidential crisis if we follow the Constitution. But how can we follow the Constitution if we don't know the Constitution? And that's, like our friend Barbara says, you, people just don't know what they don't know. That's why this is important. The solutions here are, are everywhere. We don't have a judiciary that is the ultimate arbiter of the power of the federal government. We do not have a federal judiciary that is the ultimate arbiter of the Constitution. That is an unlimited oligarchy of nine kings and queens. That is not their authority. And we don't know because we don't know. We've never been taught. Since 1833... Since 1833, we set down the handbook that taught us the Constitution as it was supposed to be written. Since 1833, my law students out there, my political science students out there, my government students out there, you know this name, Joseph Story. Joseph Story ought to be labeled the Marxist of the American government. Joseph's story is the teaching that we picked up in 1833 that fundamentally transformed and transmuted our limited and defined federal government into the federal supremacy that the American people believe we operate in today. The judicial supremacy that the American people believe that we, we operate in today. Part 1, Section 2 of Sovereign Duty teaches you we do not live in a federally supreme government. We live in a confederation of states that created the federal government. And because they are the creators of the federal government, there is power that inherently remains in the state and an obligation in the state to check and balance the federal government. Listen to this. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States in America, in general Congress assembled, appealing to the Supreme Judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do in the name and by the authority of the good people of the colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are of right and ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved. That description in the Declaration of Independence ought to be the foundation of our understanding on the formation of our states and the proper operation of our federal government. It is the very definition of state. And because we have not taught this paragraph, just this singular paragraph, we have lost sight and attachment with the power and the purpose of a confederation instead of a consolidation. James Madison actually wrote later on, and Thomas Jefferson wrote later on, that it would be the, the theory of consolidation over the fact of confederation that would bring about the greatest opportunity for downfall of America. 
We refer to the United States of America as a single entity when we ought to be referring it to it as a union of 50 countries. Wow, welcome back to the final segment of the Chris Ann Hall Show. Man, I, I, we, we barely got started. That's, that's how jam-packed with information this Sovereign Duty book is. If you haven't and you haven't read it yet, you're missing you're missing the most powerful tools you can have. If you don't have it yet, chrisannhall.com, Amazon, Books A Million, Walmart. I, I don't even know all of the platforms on which you can actually buy this book now, but you can find it many, many places. I, and, and, and this is something that, that we need to know. The nature of the Constitution as a contract among the states. It, it is not a compact theory as your professors will deceive you into believing it is a compact fact i'm not even quite sure how you can call somebody something a theory when those who created the document referred to it over and over and over again as a compact <laughs> i guess that's supposed to be like oh it's a theory that the world is round. I don't know. How, how, how pictures from space create a globe. I guess it's a theory. I don't know. But there are so many things in this book that will teach you the very limits of the federal government as they were designed. And, and the rightful remedies to fix what's out of control. Do you know the quickest fix for an out of control federal government? It's right here in chapter five, section five of part one. The quickest fix, you can change tomorrow a federal government out of control because one of the most critically important External checks and balance on federal power exists in the office of your sheriff. Unless you live in Delaware or one of those counties in Missouri where you've, you know, you've been duped into, or people, I'm maybe not you, your people have been duped into eliminating the authority of the sheriff. Your sheriff is designed to be a check and balance. And in chapter 5, I take you back to the historical roots of the sheriff, back to 1849, when the office of the sheriff was first instituted in the British history that would become American history. And I show you how the office of the sheriff was completely revamped, a 180 in 1215, to turn the sheriff from an agent of the government to a defender of the liberty and the property of the people. Our sheriffs were instituted in 1215 to be a defender of the people's liberty and their property even when the government was that attacking the people's liberty. If you don't know about that, 
You can learn about the sheriffs who are standing up for uh, what we're doing. Sheriff Brad Rogers. What an amazing stand Sheriff Brad Rogers took. What an amazing stand uh, Sheriff Nicholas Finch took. What, what an amazing uh, path that Sheriff Richard Mack has forged for the understanding of the Constitution and the obligation of the sheriffs. There are, there are so many people out there that are trying to reach America with the truth about how to get this federal government under control. Are they infallible? No. That's why you must stick with original source documents. Don't make Chris Ann Hall your source. Don't make Sheriff Richard Mack your source. Don't make Dennis Prager your source. Don't make Mark Levin your source. Make the original sources your source. The Constitution and the men who wrote the document. That's, again, that's why the back of sovereign duty has this thick of nothing but original source text. Hey, there's a lot of things going on in the country about amending the Constitution. The progressives have a plan. The Marxists have a plan. The conservatives have a plan. The Republicans have a plan. What do the founders say about about article, the fifth article of the Constitution and, re, and amending the Constitution? There's a chapter in here. Section 6, Part 1 will tell you not only what the founders said, but their concerns about a future convention. You cannot go another day if you're seeking, reaching for solutions without this book. And I know that sounds self-gratifying because it's my book, but it's not my words. It's theirs. And I need you to stand up and defend because I got a 13-year-old that needs to be free. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time.